0: Well, good morning, everyone. If uh, we have not met, my name is David, and I want to welcome those here at our 930 Cornerstone service, as well as those who are worshiping upstairs uh, in the cafe this morning. Uh, just in case you missed it, and I know some of you will ask me, uh, that last, uh, last little bit, that's Patrick, one of our two-year-olds, and uh, he said, I have a story, okay? And I want you to know that, because when I heard it for the first time, I thought he said, I feel silly. Uh, but he says, I have, uh, I have a story. That's the series that we're beginning today. And so I want to invite you uh, to open your Bible, if you brought that with you, if you didn't. Uh, You can find uh, uh, John chapter 3, where we'll be today, on page 1650 in the blue Bibles that we have in all of our worship spaces. Uh, That's where we're going to begin this new series. And let me just tell you a few things uh, about this series that we are starting today. The first thing I want you all to know is I want you to make note of November 17th. We're going to have a special uh, guest with us, our very own uh, Dr. V, a retiring school superintendent uh, here in the Mansfield School District. Uh, He's going to be sharing his story with you uh, on the 17th. I want to make sure that you were here uh, for that or on the 16th if you want to come uh, on Saturday night. He'll be sharing in all of our services. The second thing I want you to know is we're doing something brand new with this series uh, that you can find uh, at this website. We have produced a one-page hear that again one page looks just like this one page discussion guide uh, for you to use with your existing groups and classes or uh, a couple friends you'd like to bring together Um, uh, and it focuses on on each message of the series if you go to this website uh, you can find that each and every week Uh, this is week one it's already there uh, you can download that, and if you would like to get connected to a group, I want to lift up uh, this email address to you. It's the easiest and the fastest way uh, to get connected to one of our existing groups, and I encourage you to do that. We believe that shared lives lead to changed lives, and I appreciate the work of our group life team uh, to make this this discussion guide happen, and also uh, connecting you if you're interested uh, in a group. The second thing I want to share with you is the bottom line for this entire series. It's the why. Uh, behind everything that you're going to hear, all that we're going to share over the course of these six weeks. Uh, and it's this conviction that we all have a story worth sharing. We all have a story worth sharing. And, and I would acknowledge uh, that that probably most of you disagree with that, okay? Uh, right now, at the very beginning, most of you uh, would would not necessarily say we all have a story worth sharing. Now, if I were to slightly adjust the statement to say, some of us have a story we're sharing. You could all get behind that, right? Uh, because you could, if you took a few minutes, you could think of some individuals whose story you might like to hear. You might be really excited already about November 17th and, and hearing from Dr. V about his own story and his own life. We could get behind the idea that some have a story we're sharing, but some doesn't mean all. And all obviously includes you. And for most of us, we think, well, there's some stories that are worth sharing, but I'm not sure there's anything that is in my story that is worth someone else hearing. But this is our bottom line idea that we all have a story worth sharing. Now, if you're at that place today where you say, well, David and I are just going to have to disagree on that, I am totally fine with that. That is a perfectly legitimate starting point. There's nothing wrong with being wrong, okay? I want you to hear that. Nothing wrong with being wrong. And over the next six weeks, my job is going to be to convince you uh, that I'm right and you are wrong. We all have a story worth sharing. Sharing And so uh, over the course of these weeks, we're going to focus each week on three stories. We're going to focus obviously on God's story. Uh, we do that every single week. That's how we open up the scriptures to, to listen to God's story. We're going to focus on your story. Because we believe that everyone has a story worth sharing and so uh, we're going to invite you to think about your own story and to maybe think on, on, on a deeper level than you have before to, to, to see worth maybe that you haven't seen before. And, and then we're going to look at our story and, and this isn't quite what it sounds like. This isn't the story that you and I share or you share with another person. This is the story uh, that you share with God. This is the story uh, that that occurs, the new story that begins, when your story intersects with God's story. So each week we'll look at all three of those, and we're going to begin today with a story uh, from John chapter 3. And so let me begin uh, that story with you. Verse 1 says this, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So I want you to notice that uh, this story begins in the way that many stories begin. It begins with the introduction of a main character. And this character has a name. His name is Nicodemus. And that is a very important detail. Not because his name has any special significance or meaning, but because uh, uh, introducing a main character who has a name is a great way to start a story. So quick survey... Does everyone here have a name? Do you have a name? At some point in your life, have you been given a name? Or have all all throughout your life, have you just been, hey, you? Hey, you over there. If that's your story, if your story, I don't have a name, I'm going to give you a name this morning, okay? From, From now on, you will be known as Jehoshaphat, okay? Great biblical name, okay? So if you don't have a name, you're Jehoshaphat, all right? But if you have a name, if you have a name, You have, at the very least, the beginning of your story. So here's this character. His name is Nicodemus. And we learn a couple interesting things about him. (coughs) Excuse me. I had an almond beforehand. That was a very bad, bad idea. Nicodemus, first, uh, he's identified as a Pharisee. So Nicodemus is introduced to us in the same way that we often introduce ourselves to one another. We, 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 he shares his identity. I'm a Pharisee. That's the group that he's a part of. Those are, those are his people. Uh, and he also has a role within his community. He is a member of the Jewish ruling council, which, which may not sound impressive to you, but in the context of the world in which Nicodemus lived, that was a really big deal, Uh, He had a a place of incredible significance, a role of incredible significance within his community. He was a big deal in Jerusalem. He was a big deal everywhere he went. He was at the very top of of Jewish society as a member of the Jewish ruling council. He had an impressive resume as a Pharisee and as a member of the Jewish council, and his name is Nicodemus. Verse 2 says this, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. So every story that is a great story has a twist. Uh, it has a, a surprise in it. There's a problem that must, be, that must be solved. And here's the twist. Here's the surprise of, of Nicodemus' story is that within the context of his world, Uh, The the last person that we would expect to come to Jesus and to say these words is a man like Nicodemus. Uh, If you've read any of the Gospels, you know that the Pharisees are the ones who are often portrayed and presented as the adversaries of Jesus. And, and, And an additional thing that makes this unlikely, if not at least incredibly ironic, is that by the time we get to the end of this story... This Jewish ruling council is, is the group of people who will send men to arrest Jesus and put him on trial and eventually hand him over to the Romans to be crucified. But here we have Nicodemus coming to Jesus uh, under the cover of darkness But he seems to come with a sincere desire to understand. He's seeking uh, an explanation for what is happening. Uh, He he affirms something that, again, is, is unbelievable for someone like Nicodemus to affirm. He affirms that Jesus is the teacher who has come from God. And he believes this because he doesn't know any other explanation for it. No one could do what you are doing if God had not sent you, Jesus replies in this way He says, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus responds, How can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. This is the point where we pause and go, Ooh, no, that's not what he means jesus answered very truly i tell you no one can enter the kingdom of god unless they are born of water and the spirit flesh gives birth to flesh and spirit gives birth to spirit you should not be surprised at my saying uh, i lost my place you must be born again The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. And then look at verse 10. Jesus responds, you are Israel's teacher. And do you not understand these things? Now, if you go back and you look from verse 3 to verse 8 at everything that Jesus says there, there may be several things there that don't make sense to you. Uh, There's language that Jesus uses that may for you, leave you kind of scratching your head, like I'm not really sure what he means here. Uh, you may not have asked the question that, uh, that Nicodemus asks, but, but this whole giving uh, flesh, giving birth to flesh, and spirit, giving birth to spirit, and, and then Jesus talks about the wind and, and being born again. Uh, there, there's a lot of that that may not make sense to you. And, and, and that's okay, because in some ways, that's not really the point. The point is that Nicodemus... Again, this Pharisee, this member of the Jewish ruling council, this, this guy who was at the very top of, of his, his society, the, the one who had great respect in his community, uh, who was seen as, as someone with, with incredible wisdom. The point is that Nicodemus doesn't understand. He has no clue what Jesus is saying and, 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 and what he means. And, and so Jesus responds. He says, Essentially, who are you? You're Israel's teacher. You're the cream of the crop. You're the best of the best. And you don't get this at all, do you? You don't know who I am. And you don't know what I have come to do. You might think about it like this, Uh, if if Nicodemus was living today, we would think about him as like a professional athlete. And and if he was a professional athlete, we would have a specific word that we would use to describe what is happening here. Uh, We would say that Nicodemus choked, right? Uh, Because if you're the receiver uh, and and you're about to catch the touchdown pass that is going to win you the Super Bowl and you drop it, what did you do? You choked it's it's game seven bottom of the ninth bases are loaded you need one run to win the game the greatest hitter in baseball comes to the plate and strikes out he choked right those who we see as talented those who we see as having all the skill who have put in the work and they get to that moment the, the the most important moment they could ever imagine in their career and what happens they choke And you sort of see that here in in Nicodemus. You you look at who he is and how he has presented to us uh, what, what uh, what, what his status is. He's a Pharisee. He's a member of the Jewish ruling council. Again, he's at the top. He was a big deal everywhere that he went. And yet when it came to what at this point in his life was the most important conversation he had ever had, Nothing on that impressive resume made any difference at all. He did not understand. And so Jesus responds, you are Israel's teacher, aren't you? Who are you? And do you not understand these things? The reason that many of us don't believe that we have a story worth sharing is because we don't know the worth of our own story. Your story and my story begin with this question. Who are you? And the beginning of that answer is this. Well, my name is Jehoshaphat. Or my name is David. But what comes after that? Well, in, in my case, I would say, my name is David, and I serve as the senior pastor of First Methodist Mansfield. Some people call me Pastor David. Uh, I, have, I have name tags that, that have me listed as the senior pastor. I have a name tag that has me listed as the talker because uh, uh, one of the seventh graders in our church thought that was a better title for me, the talker. But is that, is that who I am? I remember Christmas Eve, this is six or seven years ago, um, I was supposed to preach five or six times uh, that year. I wasn't uh, the senior pastor of the church at the time, and I was sharing uh, the, those speaking duties uh, for uh, the Christmas Eve services, and, and a couple of days beforehand, I got laryngitis. And, and it got to the 23rd, we always have Christmas Eve services on the 23rd, There was two or three services that I was supposed to preach, I couldn't talk. What was I supposed to do? T- I was. What, what? What? What's left? I mean, I'm the talker. That's what I'm supposed to do. This is this is my job. I I had went. To, I, I had done everything. I'd gotten the steroid shot. I'd done all the tea, you know, everything you can imagine. You know, I Google. How do you get your voice back? Nothing worked. We got to the twenty fourth. I still can't speak. Boy, that was that was really strange for me. What? Well, who am I if I can't do this thing that I'm? I'm supposed to do so. So you begin with my name is, but what comes after that? What is the real worth? What is the real value of your story? Well, if you back up for just a moment, uh, I was given this quote by uh, Amanda Hardiman, who serves on our staff. Um, she. This is from a Bible that she's reading with her five-year-old son. Uh, it says this in the introduction: "The Bible is most of all the story." It is an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, has thrown everything to rescue the one he loves. It's like the most wonderful and grand of fairy tales. But the best thing about this story is this it's true. And while there are lots of stories in the Bible, each are telling one big story, the story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. And every story in the Bible whispers his name. So what does God's story say about your story What does God's story say about the potential of the new story that you might begin to write with God? Well, here's how King David described that story. He said, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores. He refreshes my soul He guides me along the right paths, guiding me in righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, the valley of shadow and death, I will fear no evil for the Lord is with me. Surely, surely the Lord's goodness and the Lord's love and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 139 declares this, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my coming in. You are familiar with all my ways, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know them full well. Isaiah declares this promise from God. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. The writer John says this, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins so that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us. Paul declares this, in all things, God works for the good for those who he loves and are called according to his purpose. And so if God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What could ever separate us from the love that we have received in Jesus? Nothing. And all these things, Paul says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I, Paul says, I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, uh, nor the present, the future, powers, height, or depth, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And listen to what Jesus says. I am the resurrection and I am the life. And the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come for you. Before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live this is what God's story says about your story about who you are and how God sees you so what is the worth of your story the worth of your story is everything that is our story The worth of your story is everything that is our story. And again, when we think about that uh, that word, our story, we're we're not talking about the story that you and I share or the story that you share with another. It's the story, the new story that God begins to write in your life as your story intersects with God's story and what God declares in that story, what God declares you to be. God's story continually affirms that every person matters to God. And if every person matters to God, that means that every story matters to God. And if every story matters to God, then it means that we all have a story worth sharing. And today, you should know, at the very least, the first four words of that story. I hope you'll take that with you, but you'll also leave with this question, What is it that comes next? What is it that is the real worth and value of your story? Now, just a few closing thoughts about this guy, Nicodemus. He really did choke. I mean, this is not his best moment at all. Uh, The confusion that brought him there to, to encounter Jesus, he left with that same amount of confusion. He really did choke, but... This is not the end of Nicodemus' story. In fact, he appears one more time in the Gospel of John. It's only a brief, uh, a brief mention, uh, John chapter nineteen. I'll let you look that up for yourself. This is not the end of his story. The second thing I want you to hear is, at the very least, at the very least, Nicodemus had come to the right place to find the answers to the questions of his soul. He'd come to the right person. To figure out what his story really was all about so this is the invitation of this series the invitation of this series is that you would bring your story to Christ and in doing so to to recognize that that as your story intersects with God's story a new story begins but I want you to hear that when that new story begins it doesn't replace everything that has come before It doesn't push it aside and and, and remove it uh, forever from your memory. What God does with everything that has come before is God redeems it. And he transforms it. And that new story that begins, it opens the door to a whole new future in your life. That's what we're going to look at next week. As I continue on my quest to convince you that we all, even you, have a story to share. Will you join me in prayer? Loving God, I pray for my brothers and sisters, especially those, Lord, who would say of themselves, I don't have anything worth sharing. My story isn't as impressive as someone else's. My story doesn't have the the same twists and turns as others I have heard. Lord, I pray that in these coming weeks, they would not only hear your voice and, and, and listen to your story, but they would also begin to understand themselves and their life in a whole new way. The real worth, the real value, the power of the story that you have begun writing in their life. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus makes this possible. That he has indeed come for us And that every story in this grand tale that is the Bible, every story whispers his name. So may we, Lord, as those whose lives have intersected with yours, may our story also speak, praise, and share the name of Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen.